0: Jeff Cameron Show, Lucy Goosey Libations, Friday edition. Great to be with you. Hope you're well. Thanks for tuning in and listening on 93.3 Real Talk Radio and watching on War Chant TV. Appreciate you. Like and subscribe if you're watching on War Chant TV always. uh, Helps us out. That's all I can say. Just helps us out. Appreciate you. On Twitter, it's at J Cameron Show. This hour, just like the last, is previously recorded. We did it this morning. You're listening in the afternoon. We thought that Florida would be a decent enough basketball team to beat Texas A&M. They were not. And since uh, this station, for whatever reason, carries Florida basketball, um, uh, we had made uh, made allowances for a game that is not happening now because they lost. <laughs> That's great. So anyhow, we did want to uh, give you content today in a full Jeff Cameron show, but as it is. I'm on the road, man. I'm on the road. I'm on my way to Montana. And, uh, and because of that, we had to record this morning. So there it is. There's your, there's your, what for that's the deal. Uh, it's previously recorded Florida state baseball getting ready to start go Knowles! I'm excited about that series. I'll be keeping tabs on it through my travels. Uh, that's a series against wake forest that, um, might tell us something, may, may not, we'll see. Uh, but we talked at the end of last hour, certainly uh, about the, the pitching matchup and I'm excited. Uh, I'm excited to watch this team grow. I want to see if they can carry over their success from the other night, Tom, they were not a swing and miss team the other night. Uh, just a total of six strikeouts, which in the modern game, especially in college is not terrible. Uh, I can live with that. Um, but, but the, Weekend previous was a lot of swing and miss and uh, had me concerned, even though they won this series against Cal uh, because of their pitching. And they had a great Saturday against Cal uh, with two prodigious home runs. Uh, They did have an awful lot of swing and miss that resembled last year's baseball team. So I'm just holding my breath week to week that this doesn't uh, emerge as a similar type lineup. Um, where you know they're feast or famine and there's an awful lot of famine. You know, that's that's my hope. Um, let's 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 hope that they are a much more active and productive because it feeds into what their philosophy is. It feeds into uh if you get on base, they're gonna put guys in motion. You know, if they in, in in college, I always say this, and you know this, Tom, it's one of the negatives about the the sport. You put the ball in play, you got a chance to be very, very successful. Put the ball in play, get on base, put put the wheels in motion.
2: Well, you know, this is going to be a nice little stretch in terms of um, variety of opponent, skill of opponent. Uh, You've got Wake Forest this weekend. You've got Florida on Tuesday. Then we host Bethune-Cookman on Wednesday, so a double midweek game during spring break. That's interesting. Uh, Gainesville is the location for Tuesday's game. Tallahassee-Bethune-Cookman on Wednesday of next week. And then we host NC State for three. And NC State's been okay as a program. So uh, and by the time you get back and we talk and convene on Monday, March 21st, that's what you want to continue to see is improvement with the strikeout rate. It's down several percent over last year, but still against better opponents. You're, we're not so sure yet. The sample size isn't large enough to say that the issue is clear. The number that I was looking at too this season and I was really interested in was unearned runs. Unearned runs that cross home plate, because that would tell me a better story about how many errors we're making. I know we've got the pitching that can pitch around it, uh, but this year, Only three, I I had it at four as of last week uh, based upon some things that happened at Cal, but I guess it wasn't ruled that way in the scores table. Only three unearned runs have crossed the plate this year against FSU. That is huge improvement over last year. You feel pretty good. It's not just about what we've got at shortstop. He's got a third baseman's arm or or, or a a Frank Core type arm in right field for the college game. That dude is unbelievable with the range he's got, Um, but we're, we're better across the board defensively. So the pitching and the defense are much better base running up and down strikeout count at the plate still a little bit high, but they've answered a lot of questions. You've just got to continue to carry this on. And like I said, while I'm really interested to see what happens this weekend up at wake, What Montgomery does next Tuesday when he goes down to Gainesville is something I really want to see. Is this the next step? And do you have a debate about who your Sunday starter is because you've got too many good starters? Or is it something that, well, we enjoy the performance against Gulf Coast, but he's still got a ways to go because that kid's really talented. And he could be a future Friday or Saturday night guy for you next year if he continues to develop.
0: Speaking of baseball mentioned it before opening day set for April the 7th major league baseball is back. We will be watching a 162 game season. The week of missed games is going to be rescheduled for off days in the current slate. The universal designated hitter is no good, but it's going to happen. Um, listen, you know, I know baseball is often looked at as antiquated. They're trying to adjust that vision because they want more often. So they, we're always going to push for this DH to be universal. Fine. Uh, no more nonsense where you have runners at second base to start extra innings. Um, so there you go. And uh, Hey, listen, uh, I'm just happy to have it back. I, I'm really happy to have it back. And if you want to read all the details, there's no shortage of articles today about who won, who didn't win, whatever you want to look at there. Uh, all I care about is it's back and uh, let's hope that you, uh, Let's hope that we have uh, baseball peace for the next several years. Uh, I think I think that we probably will, um, given that uh, this was uh, this was a time when um, that th- I guess anxiety was deservedly at its highest because these two sides legitimately hate one another. I don't think they like each other now, but it doesn't matter sure. because they've they ratified the CBA. The CBA.
2: Yeah, and again, maybe the one rule that I enjoyed uh, that was a little bit different that they're cleaning up for the baseball purists. Am I crazy to say that I like the seven-inning doubleheader? I kind of did. You know why? It brought back memories of when starting pitching used to take you through the biggest course of the game. And I know that that's not... You you can't change the innings rule because guys are going shorter and only throwing 95, 100 pitches. But I kind of enjoyed those seven-inning doubleheaders. One, because the day moved along quicker. You weren't held hostage for an entire day. And secondly, you know, if your guy can give you six, that's the way it used to be. That's the baseball that I remember It goes You handed from the starter straight to either the setup man or the closer. So in a way, I'm sad to see that go. And another reason I'm sad to see that go is those were single admission doubleheaders. But now baseball is going to go back to making as much money as they possibly can. Day night doubleheaders where you have to leave the stadium and come back. But other than that, I'm just happy that it's going to be back in the fold. I know I sounded bitter about it before, but. That's what this labor negotiation has been like forever in baseball. So as you said it last hour, my, my attitude was call me when it's over. And I'm glad it's over now
0: for baseball. One of the things they're going to have to do in addition to what they've already done here with the CBA is address the shift. And we've talked about that a lot, Tom, I do think that's going to get banned. Now we know there's a 40 whatever day window for that committee that will look at this. If they do make rules changes, um, that's fine. Whatever you got to do. I think that's coming. And we were told, uh, if you recall, before the season, we were, uh, we were told that um, Mike Martin Jr. said he thought that was coming, uh, that he thought that, uh, that Major League Baseball was going to do that. And I, I, you know, we'll see how soon that happens. I bet it does soon enough. By the way, I also heard something the other day that I thought was fascinating. Uh, and that is, in the minor leagues, they've implemented the stuff you want you know, they've implemented, if you go back, uh, the, 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 pitch clock, you know, you see that's already going on. A lot of the pitchers that now have come up to the major leagues work really fast because they worked in a system where that pitch clock existed in the minors. And I think they're going to implement a lot of these rules changes at that level first really soon. So we're going to get a look at it sooner rather than later. And then the guys that come up will have already had to abide by that. So yeah, look for that, is all I'm saying. And wh- look for rules changes within the minor leagues because that's what's coming down the pike um, to Major League Baseball if, if in fact, it's implemented uh, within the next year or so.
2: Yeah, if they give us a pitch clock and then they give us robot umps, I'm a really happy kid. Keep- I knew the, <laughs> I knew the <laughs> robot umps coming. <laughs> well, but here's the thing the one lesson I learned quickly in the pandemic, because I was already, you know, the, there's not a lot of action here pre 2020. This game is, you know, it's tough to watch. I I care about my Mets so very much, so I'm always going to tune in. Got a great broadcast team. That helps move it along. If you had a bad one, you really had a a sorry experience watching baseball last few years. Like, think about that Marlins group that they got to replace Waltz and Tommy Hutton. At least they were interesting. Those guys will put you to sleep, but not for the right reasons. Um, But the point is, uh, now, after watching in the pandemic games in the 80s, games in the 70s, dude, those things moved. It was like FSU softball games are right now. Pitch, give me the ball. Pitch, give me the ball. Ball's in play. I understand that the three true outcomes affects how often we swing the bat in the major leagues these days, but there shouldn't be a one-minute delay between every single pitch, especially in the second inning of a game in May. Let's move the game along, and I'm glad to see that there's a joint committee because I believe that there will be change coming sooner than later. It's in the best interest of everybody to try to capture people's attention. I don't mind if the ball is not put in play a lot as long as pitches are coming in over and over and over again because that is action by itself.
0: Hey, uh, you know Tom. Take a look at the Mets schedule and find the weekend in which the Pirates come to City Field. And we've been threatening, you and I have, for a long time, to go up there together and watch a uh, buccos Mets uh, contest. And then we'll have to reciprocate, and you you'll have to go to PNC at some point. Um, And so we can we can enjoy the series together and have some fun with that. Uh, That is the thing about baseball. And I'll leave it alone and move on from here. And I'll actually touch on some NFL here in a second, but. Baseball is a game of friendship and, uh, and, and family. Uh, and I say that not to be corny because it's the only game that allows for earnest conversations and time well spent together without a feverish uh, manic pace, right? Like you can, actually sit down and have a conversation um and you can do so even if the pitches are coming quick you know you can you can still do that the game allows for it, the timing the pacing of it so uh yay baseball glad it's back jeff cambridge on 93.3 real talk radio and war chant tv continues in a moment Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. Great to be with you on a libations Friday. Lucy, Goosey. You think Bears fans had a tough day yesterday? I think Mm -hmm. that over the course of the last several days, they have to question whether or not they'd like to play football in Chicago. Like, what what are we we doing these days? They're going to trade Khalil Mack to the Chargers. um, Okay. And what they'll get back is a 2022 second round draft pick and a 2023 sixth rounder. Uh, that doesn't seem like much to get back for Khalil Mack. I know he's thirty-one, but he's a bad ass thirty-one. I don't know, man. That's ooh. Yeah, that, back that, to that the AFC
2: much. West. You know, he was uh, with Oakland at the time. Now the Vegas Raiders, but uh, Gruden had to trade him, and now he's back in that division. Which you now pair him with Joey Bosa. Oh man, that is a uh, formidable duo on the edges and that's right for that division with all those good quarterbacks you need edge rushers so good job chargers now if they could just call aggressive offense they might be uh the favorite in that division but they don't call aggressive offense so that's unfortunate for them
0: so basically what uh the gm in chicago ryan poles is saying is yeah we're starting over everybody we're starting over And uh, I'm doing so through the draft, so I'm accumulating as much, as they say, Tom, draft capital as possible, and uh, we're going to accrue, in this case, a total of of five picks that he's trying to kind of utilize uh, to, to flip the roster, but I mean... Well, you try to improve your hand, but man, you still have to sell tickets. And I always think, uh, you know, it's a new regime, uh, but uh, when you take over and you don't meet expectations and you've got to try to rebuild, it's just, it's tough to tell people, hey, buy tickets. Yeah, we got this young quarterback. We're going to build around him, but uh, we got to get worse before we can get better. And that's tough. They're going to get definitely get worse. And they weren't good last year.
2: In a way, though, it, it helps Justin Fields because now there's not a ratcheted up pressure that he needs to make the playoffs this year or the wild card. It's all right. We all understand what's happening this offseason. This trade signals that we're going through a rebuild. It's just funny because the quote last week was we can be aggressive or two weeks ago. We can be aggressive because we have a quarterback on his first deal so we can spend money elsewhere. Like, well, how long did that last? Uh, but for Justin Fields sake, if I'm you know worried about his long term mental ability to handle being a quarterback in a market that hasn't had one since whatever, Sid Luckman or McMahon or whoever, uh, this is this is good. Lowers the expectations, allows him to flourish in a low-pressure environment. The
0: mocks, uh, I keep looking at the mocks, not because uh, we will mock and have fun uh, at their expense, of course, but I just want to continue to watch for Jermaine Johnson's name and how frequently he gets mentioned in that top 15 Um it's it's just been a fun ride, and I just looked the other day, and in fact, yesterday, uh, at uh, not Mel Kuyper, but Todd McShay's uh, mock, and he has him going to the Vikings at number 12. So we're, we're beginning to knock on the door of top 10, in some cases, with Jermaine Johnson. And, and it just goes to show big-picture stuff here for a second. If you're a player, I mean, Jermaine Johnson, when he transferred in, from Georgia. Um, Yes. uh, Obviously we've documented numerous times that the first time we laid eyes on him, we went, well, that is different. Nobody here looks like that. Um, So he had the body type of a player that was at Georgia or at Alabama. And in recent years, Clemson, of course, or Ohio state. So he had that, we saw what he was, but he hadn't been an overly productive player at Georgia. He was a good player, but he hadn't been an overly productive player, but there's a guy that took the time to figure out exactly the best spot for him to land. He handled it with great maturity. He didn't just go to a team that he thought could win a championship. He went to a team that needed a lot of aspects of what he brought to the table. There's the physical, and that's the football, right? The, 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 ability to run and jump and hit and tackle and do all of those things diagnose. There's all that. But when I talked to Papuchis at the luncheon, he told me that one of the things that he thought would help Jermaine Johnson that did help Jermaine Johnson was that when he chose Florida State, Mike Norvell told him, I need you to be a leader in this locker room. We don't have enough leaders. And I know you're just getting here and you're probably trying to acclimate and figure things out, but I need you once you do to relate to these kids, teach these kids what it means to work, in essence, to be a professional. Now, I've documented that before, but to take that further – What Papucha said was that told him a lot before he ever took a snap, before he ever played it down here, that he chose to try to find a role in which he not only could help physically on the field, but help off the field. And he also thought that that would help him in the interviews because The scouts in NFL teams want to find guys that improve their locker room. Yes, they need good players. they got to be able to play the game. That's a given. You're not getting drafted in the first round if you can't play. But if you can also show through your college career or decisions you made prior to them drafting you that you can be a bona fide leader of men, well, then that puts their mind at ease a little bit more about spending those dollars on you. So if he was borderline, let's say, first round, maybe mid-second. At one time, we, we had heard third. But he dominated in the season. Then he had an incredible senior bowl, right? He was dominant in those practices every day that he was there. And then apparently, from what I've read and been told, he interviewed exceptionally well. So you couple all those things, the film is there, the leadership, the interview, the, the psychology, like the mental makeup of who he is. It's, it's pretty cool to watch a guy go from projected late second, early third to maybe, maybe take one team top 10. It's crazy.
2: Yeah. Well, that's, you know, it's the tiebreaker. If you're in the first round, you're already really, really gifted, but a tiebreaker can be, you know, the culture and, and how you could advance it and who you are as a person. And the thing that struck me about Jermaine the first time, I ever interviewed him, it was the first assignment I had for Warchant as a full-time employee at the ACC kickoff. The appreciation for where he was because he knew where he had just come from a couple of years ago, middle of nowhere, Kansas, and Juco. And he wasn't highly recruited at all, obviously, to be in that position. Um, They had potential, but then there were grade issues and all that kind of stuff. So he climbed from nothing to a place where he got to Georgia, which is already an, an immense accomplishment to where he could go help out at Florida State afterwards and get the snaps. There's just a, there's a genuine appreciation. I mean, heck, the Buccaneers benefited years and years ago from red flags around a player, Warren Sapp. Warren yeah. Sapp would have never fallen to where he did in the draft if it wasn't for character red flags beforehand. They proved to be largely right, but he was a hell of a football player and it was steal for the Bucs in value. But if you have character and you can whoop ass – then that's how you get from 20th or 21st to 12th or 13th. And that's where it looks like he's going to land. And again, it's just amazing how much of an ambassador this dude has been for the university and this football program. And it's not just lip service. If you're checking in on teammates in the locker room, spring workouts while you're training for the biggest night of your life, the draft, and doing everything you can to put yourself in a position to make millions and millions of dollars, and you still care to check in on your teammates, that dude bought into Tallahassee in a way that maybe a bunch of four-year guys never did. Most four-year guys never do. It's it's unbelievable. Yeah, he's easy to root for. And
0: we've talked a lot about how very few people have ever come into Tallahassee for just a singular season and had as great an impact, at least in terms of the lasting memories we're going to have of Jermaine Johnson. It's weird. We, we reference him in the way already. Uh, we do some guys that started for three years on really good teams. You know, I mean, he, he wasn't even on a good team. Um, Jermaine wasn't, and yet we'll talk about him in the same breath as we do. Some of these other guys that played in 13 and 14, uh, or, or guys from the nineties. So good for Jermaine. Just, I love updating that pretty, you know, routinely because every time I read another, and, and these are just mock drafts, but there's probably 40 mock drafts out there. If you search the interwebs and, uh, Pretty consistently now. It used to be that you'd see like half of them had him in the first round somewhere. Now all of them have Jermaine Johnson in the first round. Every one of them. There's nobody that does not have Jermaine Johnson going in the first round. That's how far he's come through work, character, all that stuff. And then now, um, if, if if we you know take that same approach and look at all those mocks. Now he's not only in the first round, but he's moved into the top 20 in just about everybody's draft. Just about. Not all, but just about. So who knows, man? This process is interesting. You get guys who get red flagged. Uh, look at Thibodeau. He's already dropped, Tom. Thibodeau's has dropped from being the number one pick in the draft. Um, not a consensus number one, but a guy that a lot of people projected to go number one. Um, To a guy falling late in the top 10, like nine, somewhere around eight, nine, 10, somewhere in there, because people upon interviewing and going back and vetting probably to some extent too much. So uh, every play they they saw some um, some effort concerns, some effort concerns um, about, uh, you know. Play-to-play, down-to-down, is that guy going to give you everything he has? Well, you're not going to find that with Jermaine. Now, I'm not saying Jermaine's going to be better than Thibodeau. I'm just saying that Thibodeau has dropped a little bit where Jermaine's film and interviews saw him rise uh, and, 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 and increase his stock immensely. Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3, Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV.
1: The Jeff Cameron Show is a production of the Warchant.com Multimedia Network.
0: Show 93.3 Real Talk Radio, Warchan TV, Libations Friday. Did you get to watch any of the uh, Tiger Woods uh, Hall of Fame speech?
2: Uh, bits and pieces that made it to social media, uh, the double mortgage thing. Uh, I saw that part of it. I saw a little part of his daughter introducing him and saying that, uh, you know, it was an upgrade. He missed the, you know, winning a U.S. Open by a shot or something It was a putt. And then he went to go to her birth. Um, but I didn't watch the whole thing because I think it was 17 or 18 minutes long. So I didn't yeah, see the whole thing.
0: It's worth your time. I'll tell you why the Jeff Cameron show PR firm is going to make an appearance here on the show. Uh, that's how you do it. That is how you do it. Um, of course on a night in which you get the greatest honor that golf can bestow, which is to put you into its hall of fame, which, I mean, this was a no brainer. He's known for a very long time. He was going to be in the hall of fame, but there's still something to be said for the moment that it actually happens. And, uh, and you have to, uh, you have to, you have to contend with that, right. Emotionally and, and, and think back. Well, a lot of guys spend uh, a lot of time talking about their accomplishments and there isn't a single moment in here in which Tiger Woods uh, talks about his accomplishments. Uh, Only those that helped him win those tournaments, only those that helped him get to the point where he would be elected into the hall of fame um, were mentioned. It's not, anything about what he did on the course at any point. And Lord knows if there was a guy that was going to reference his successes, he'd have more to refer to than anybody ever in the history of the game besides Jack. So, so he could do that. Right. And yet he didn't. Um, it's interesting. I, I, he's a great, uh, to me. He, he's a, a great example of how forgiving I think we are as sports fans as uh, really, I mean, America does this, right? We 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 love our sports heroes, and we will forgive anything if you give us a reason to. If you do the right thing, if you humble yourself to an extent, if you you know apologize and move forward in a way that uh, we can wrap our arms around and celebrate, we'll, for, we'll we'll forget any number of things. Now, I'm not saying Tyler Woods ever did anything criminal, um, you know, most of his failings uh, well documented. Uh, centered around obviously uh, being uh, fond of many women of the night, but uh, (laughs) and the like, but, uh, or cheating on your wife, whatever it might be. But he, uh, if you think about repairing your image, there aren't too many people that can contend uh, both on the course with Tiger Woods and off it these days. I mean, that guy has completely repaired. I mean, we do entire segments having fun at the expense of uh, celebrities and athletes all the time on the Jeff Cameron show PR firm, all the many ways you don't go about that process. And most of them include usually deflection and uh, excuses for why you screwed up and you're in the news because of it. Right? Like, don't do that. That's not going to work. Uh, you know, take responsibility and move forward. I don't know if Tiger Woods is a good guy or not. I know that uh, that documentary revealed that uh, the the parents he thanked had a large part in screwing him up as well. um, In particular, that dad, but uh, I do know he's a smart guy and he has figured out the PR aspect of this because that speech is nearly perfect. And coming all the way back from those injuries, winning another Masters, having those great moments, right? Um, Tying the record with 82, winning the Zozo, and then doing what he's done off the course and having these moments. He's almost completely repaired everything that happened uh, all those years ago around Thanksgiving.
2: And what's interesting about that is that's on the heels of him, you know, nearly killing himself in a car. And I don't know that he was intending to do that, but the police report that suggests that he never hit the brake. I mean, that's not that long ago. That's like basically yesterday in the scope of his career. I thought that, you know, from what I read on the speech and, and I did note the fact that he didn't mention the masters or or any of the majors one time, not once. And I saw some of the clips and and it goes to the audience and it shows his mother approving and nodding. I was like, Oh man, this is very loaded here. I think that his goal was to counter some of the books or the tells or the documentaries and tell his history, his version of history of who his parents are. That to me seemed like the goal that he was trying to accomplish because I mean, I had a hard time not kind of chuckling internally. He said, well, mom did that. We, we got the the second mortgage taken out on the house and then dad went with me on the road. I'm like, yes, he did tiger. He did. Yes. <laughs> the AJGA circuit. He did hit the road with you. There is yeah. no doubt about that. Yeah. But There is also, he's not Lance Armstrong. They're not the same guy in terms of bad guy versus complicated, you know, resume. This dude has opened doors beyond doors for everybody in the game of golf. And I'm not just talking about diversity on the course and access in that regard. I'm talking even the richest MFers that are in the sport. He's made them infinitely more rich. You could be the 50th dude on the money list, and you probably still make more than somebody did in 1998. Because of what Tiger Woods brought to the game of golf. So he's opened up doors and opportunities in a way that nobody ever has for the sport. uh, Unless you go way back to maybe the caddies revolution in Scotland, when it started to become more of a game of the people and and not one just for rich people. But even then, it it didn't last that much. So Tiger is the great opening. He's the guy who opened the door for everybody. And and so that's going to be his legacy no matter what. And he's also the most dominant player for a stretch of time in history
0: yeah there's a stretch of time where nobody not jack not anybody played as good a golf as tiger woods and jack would concede that now over a longer period of time did jack have the greater career yes um but did tiger woods play the best brand of golf the world has ever seen uh yes he did and for a while you know i think you can go like 97 through 2002 i mean uh, somewhere in there yeah
2: What's interesting to me too about Tiger, and, and usually I argue for Jack in this spot, but what's interesting to me about Tiger is he made so much money before he even won his first major Sure, in, in a way that Jack never did. And so Jack, even though he was this accomplished man and his reputation preceded him wherever he went for 15 years while he was still contending for majors, he didn't have it money-wise like Tiger did by the time Tiger was 21 years old. And that never stopped or deterred Tiger from you know, achieving his goal or going after it. You wonder if, if somebody, and you can never know the answer to it, but Jack is a great competitor, but let's say he was set for life that way. He was a big family man. Tiger clearly was less so cared about his kids, but less of a, I need to be at home with a, with a wife and kids kind of a guy. You just wonder if that would have affected the major record and the wins and the accomplishments. Tiger was just motivated. It was him versus himself at all
0: times. This is where we celebrate guys that it's a good point to bring up because I think we forget it sometimes as fans and we hyper-analyze everything about a guy's career, um, in golf right now. And this is less of a golf story and more about a athlete and motivation story. Uh, there is a common complaint behind the scenes, Tom, that not enough of these guys, care about wins for wins sakes and careers and they, they they make the money. And then all of a sudden they kind of, they're contented. You know, you don't see the work ethic. You don't see them putting in more time uh, to try to further this career and add to a legacy and chase down the next on the ladder. Right. It's, they don't do that because it's really easy when you sign a $20 million net jets contract. It's very easy when you, uh, you win five or six tournaments over the two year span. And all of a sudden given the purses because of what tiger did and others, the purses are so great that you've now made enough money, not only to live the rest of your life without having to work, but live very comfortably the rest of your life without having to work, not just like live, but like, in a mansion, uh, you know, and in where beach of your choice, you know, all of that, right? They can do that now. And you hear coaches and people behind the scenes, analysts behind the scenes in golf. I'm always privy to this, it's cool. Uh, because of the serious XM show and in my relationship with Trey. That they, they they have that a lot. And coaches will talk to each other and say, Oh, he's not one of those guys who's gonna stop working. That's what they'll those that's the terminology they'll use about a guy. Because lately, Colin Morikawa, uh, any of the young, great players that have hit the tour and taken it by storm and not asked for permission to go win at an early age. John Rom, you know, guys like that it just kicked the door down in their early 20s and said, I'm here, I'm going to win, I'm going to compete. Well, those guys, as you note, uh they enter the tour usually independently wealthy nike assigned them to a deal before they've ever won a tournament uh so they're sponsored if they have projections of greatness there's a chance they've signed their jet deal clothing deal club deal you un- appearance fee all that stuff is in place so you really do have to want to win you really do have to just want to be great uh and tiger did that at a time obviously where he was, he was making life-altering money for himself and everybody else on tour in a way. And he became a billionaire, basically. And and he's one of the few athletes to ever do that. Uh, Michael Jordan's another. Uh, but that's why I respect LeBron. A lot of people get mad at LeBron. I'm like, LeBron, LeBron James has never been in trouble. He was a high school phenom who had a, a tough background, uh, in his childhood, and all he's done is not only live up to the hype as a player, but he's won championships multiple places. He's He works hard as hell. Nobody's going to ever argue that he's not working out and keeping himself in great condition and trying to be great. But that guy was uh, unimaginably rich before right. he was 20 years old. Yeah, so his, those his high guys, school games
2: were on ESPN. He's a peer of mine, essentially. He's a, a year or two older, but his high school games were on when I was in high school. It was the most absurd thing even to me. I was like, what yeah. is this?
0: So think about that. Like that's another level of, Hey, yeah, money's great. Imagine though. We say that I think about this all the time. I, I used to use the analogy because the beastie boys made license to ill uh, for you young guys. The Beastie boys were uh were a rap group uh, back in the eighties. Anyhow, Um, They made an album called License to Ill. It was groundbreaking because it was three white guys rapping and nobody had ever seen it. And anyhow, it was also well-produced. Rick Rubin produced it. It was really good. And it sold millions and millions and millions of records and it changed their lives. They became rich, like the kind of rich we're talking about now. And they were 18, 19 years old. And I used to say that, If you gave, because I was wildly immature all the way into my early to mid 20s. I have often admitted that I was a late bloomer. Tom's an old soul. One of the things that impressed me about Tom the first time I ever met him was he was so mature for his age, in my opinion. Um, So is my buddy, Matt Britton. They're both younger than me, but very mature. Um, And I was, I'm envious of that because I was very immature all the way into my mid 20s. The point of me bringing that up is this. If you gave 18-year-old me 20 or 30 million dollars in 1989, 88, whoo, I wouldn't be here, man.
2: Yeah. You know, you, you listen, real quick, you give me too much credit on the maturity. There was an imbalance there, but I, I had a work ethic. Uh and Tiger most certainly had a work ethic, and he was singularly focused on that work ethic. Like, I understand that there was a different focus when he couldn't be on the golf course anymore. And that was <laughs> he was also was, very focused off the course, Tom. But but that wasn't you know, that's not the same, like because I think he was lonely. I mean, obviously he was. I mean, it's a lonely feeling to be that famous, and, and you can't oh, yeah. go anywhere. You can't do anything. I'm not saying that that's the proper coping mechanism that he chose, but that dude's work ethic is still to the point where I wouldn't be stunned if he wins the British Open or the Masters again at some point. It wouldn't stun me. Why should it? The It'd dude be cool said, as hell. Yeah, I, he could do it again. I mean, of course he could. He says he's going to play a limited schedule. And that course at, at Augusta is like a, a time machine. Now, Freddie Couples never finished the job in his 50s, but you tell me that Tiger Woods isn't a better golfer than Freddie? Of course he is. So Tiger could be standing there at 54 years old. Like Phil just won a PGA at 50. You don't think Tiger can do it? Absolutely he can. And it's because of that work ethic. And now he's got a son who cares about the game as much as Tiger, at least on the surface, it appears. He cares about the game as much as his dad did. Maybe it's to chase dad down, or, or there's some kind of subcontext there. But, I mean, that's, that's what's interesting to me is he's got another reason to be obsessed about golf, and it's not over. Usually a Hall of Fame speech means that you're near death or your days are long gone. Not so in Tiger's case. He could still be a big-time force on the tour. Well, and by the way, and
0: we'll put a ribbon on this, that's exactly another thing that he did. Fitness became – the norm in golf Uh, prior to that pot bellies were the norm in golf. You saw, you know, and, and beyond pot bellies, I mean, obviously the Walrus sizable man. Um, And you saw a lot of players who didn't lift weights, didn't run, didn't do anything, didn't do even stretching. Like they just didn't do that stuff. Tiger ushered in a whole new era. Well, why do I bring that up? Well, I mean, guys, uh, now it's just the norm that they all have physio teams, that travel with them on the road. Well, what does that mean? Well, it means that at 46 or 50, you can win a major and you can hit the ball 330 and you can compete at the highest levels.
2: Yeah, if you wanted to argue before in the 90s that golfers weren't athletes, I could understand that. I still think they are. I mean, you've got to manipulate a third-party object and you've got to walk miles upon miles over days and be able to focus and keep your brain. I mean, it's not the same as running a marathon, I grant you. Not even close. But I could, it would hold more water for me in 1995 that these guys aren't athletes. Not anymore. The dudes who are out on tour are athletes who could have played multiple other sports at at least the collegiate level. You know, it might not be D1, you know, like they're going to Duke and playing basketball, but these dudes are true athletes. And that's the legacy of Tiger Woods. Look, just look at the tour this weekend. They look more like cyclists who lift weights yeah. than they do anything else. Yeah, they're all lean. It's all lean muscle mass.
0: They're all very, very flexible. If you go now, there's a whole cottage industry that's been built around golf flexibility, golf strength, uh, golf workouts, golf specific workouts. Uh, I was talking with one of the trainers at uh, FSU's football practice the other day that we were at Tom on Wednesday, I think it was, and he um, he 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 asked me. He came up and joked with me and said, "You're gonna get out there and run a few plays again." And uh, I said, "Man." Those days have have long passed me by, and we were chuckling a little bit. And uh, I said, "Listen, in 1988, 89, 90, 91, when I was playing football, you you would see guys here and there that looked like." And I pointed to a player, right, uh, a freshman on this team, a walk on. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, you would see like a guy here or there that looked like. And I pointed to this guy. Uh, and, and he said, uh, he goes, right, right. I go. And they stood out. You knew right away. Like, oh that guy's different. That's different. I go now, every time a freshman class comes in here, I look at guys and go, well, I, I couldn't play now. I, I, I couldn't get on the field. I could, I wouldn't have a chance to compete against these guys. And we, we got into the sports specific training year round. That's the biggest difference. Uh, and that's also the revolution hit golf because largely because of tiger, the revolution hit golf as well. But you look now. And I marvel at it. It's really cool because it tests the boundaries of what athletes can do, uh, what the human body can do. Uh, You you now see guys. I mean, look at this year's combine. Uh, Mm -hmm. What are we doing in the 40? What's going on in the 40-yard dash? I mean, human beings can only run so fast. We're not going to line up and be a cheetah at some point. But it keeps going down. I mean, it used to be standard that you were wowed if a linebacker ran anything under four seven. Like if you saw a four six linebacker at 245 pounds, you're like, Whoa, that dude is motoring at 245 pounds. Who's running four six, man. These days there are 240 pound, 230 pound linebackers running four threes threes, four, four Devin white, is tracking down receivers 50 yards downfield and, and with that body type. Yeah. It's insane. Uh, and in Fort State, it's exciting. I mean, when you go over there and you see those freshmen come in, you're like, man, that is the result of seven on seven. That is the result of year-round sports-specific training, explosive functional training, functional strength, and diet. Well, obviously nutrition, they figured that out too. But it's unbelievable to watch. And Tiger really did revolutionize that for golf.
2: Well, for our purposes, Thomas and McCall, McCall and Thomas. Yeah, They're, it's a law it's firm. A, it's a different caliber. It's a different caliber of player, and yeah, it, it's it's fun to see. It's evolution and efficiency; those two things working in tandem. Um, and it looks like they've gotten. We talked about this a few weeks ago when we had the old injury report back in the day, and sports hernias were a thing. The core ripping against itself because these guys are in a way overtrained. It looks like, at least at this point in in sports history, sports nutrition and sports um, medicine history, workout tech and all that stuff that they know now, they found a nice little balance. You don't see those types of injuries. You're still going to have hammies and, and stuff like that. But, I mean, when's the last time you heard of somebody tearing their pectoral muscle? That used to be like a normal thing in Madden. If a guy went down, it would be torn pec. They've got it figured out pretty uh, pretty down to a science now. We'll come back, wrap it up momentarily.
0: Jeff Cambridge 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. Rolling out of Dodge, everybody. You guys hold it down while I'm gone for the next week. Appreciate you. I hope you guys have a great spring break and everybody enjoys uh, the time that they have with family, friends, however you're going to spend it. Uh, I'll be back. Uh, You'll hear Jeff Cameron shows next week, by the way, Uh, just to let everybody know logistically what's happening. I think we have best ofs next week, Tom, right, Uh, that we're going to air? Yes.
2: Yeah, Matthew has put together. Director Matthew has uh, several shows for next week. Um, I'm unclear as to whether or not Tuesday is a best of JCS or headlines, but either way, you're gonna get local stuff from us. And a lot of it's recent since we joined these airwaves at 933 Real Talk Radio. Um, but we've got some, you know, this is we're ready for this. There's a lot of best of material, man. You've done a lot of great work over the last 20 20- <laughs> Three years, 24 we, years. Yeah,
0: we've got a lot of, <laughs> of material. It's fun. Um, really quickly, North Florida Payroll Services always sponsors this final segment, obviously, and we uh, we appreciate them. If you're watching the show, you can see them right there on the screen, 850-224-2439. Any plays for us tonight, uh, Tom?
2: Yeah, I'll tell you a play that I already made uh, as of about 50 minutes ago, uh, You know, timed out with when this recorded broadcast is airing. I went over to North Florida Payroll Services off of Mayhan, and I picked up a check because they are a harvest level sponsor, a big sponsor of our golf tournament. We're going to talk about that a lot over the next uh, few weeks when we get back from spring break. But uh, our thanks to North Florida Payroll Services for uh, sponsoring and helping the second harvest of the Big Band. As for my hockey play uh, tonight, actually, I think a live dog is in Long Island, uh, just barely there uh, near JFK these days in the new uh, arena. But Winnipeg is traveling down to the Islanders. It's plus money to pick the Jets. Go ahead, pick the Jets. The Islanders are circling the uh, the old keister Proverbial season. drain? Yeah, yeah, they are. They've had a really bad year. It looks like they're going to sell, probably. So it's crazy. They're on the precipice of winning a Stanley Cup two years in a row, only to get trounced by the Lightning, and now they've got problems. And Winnipeg is scoring goals a lot, so take the Jets.
0: All right, I like it, by the way. Uh, my, my suggestions for all of you, join prize picks using the promo code WARCHANT And take them to school the way your boy has with uh, PGA wagers soon, Tom, soon. Major League Baseball Mm -hmm. combo wagers on a Mm -hmm. daily basis. And guess what? Probables will be right here making its return. blaze, Yes, yes, yes. I can't wait. We'll have our music. We'll be able to look at that stat sheet every day. We'll give you some picks, and then I'll tell you who's on the bump. Those that shall reside on the bump. Oh, it just mm-hmm. feels good to say it feels good to say it. So that is uh, really soon. We're going to be able to do that. And I'm pumped about it. And uh, we think our friend, I bet North Florida payroll services is pumped about it as well.
2: Oh, I would think they would be. And uh, quick promo time. Uh, stay tuned to War Chant TV, weather permitting for practice this evening. I know there's some severe weather coming through, but uh, we'll have everything that we can be allowed to go see and cover and everything. From practice uh, tonight, there is the last full pattern practice before spring break, and then Sunday smash at 7 p.m. So we'll have you covered there on Chain TV.
0: Good work, Tom Lang. I'll see you when I get back in a week, sir, and uh, hold it down. I know you will, and uh, I'll, I'll be in touch. Obviously,
2: no sunny Bonos. Come back in one piece.
0: Thank you thank you skis horses hitting some trees you're right no don't want to do that I will uh, I will be sending uh, obnoxious amounts of photos to uh, to you uh, on the friendship list of course uh, you get to be privy to that it uh, me in the mountains and the kids having a good time it's gonna be awesome and I'm looking forward to it be well everybody and uh, have a great week and I'll talk to you real soon peace.